Hey booze, welcome to Crime and Spirits, your one-stop shop for handcrafted cocktails, spooky stories, and all things true crime. I am your resident bartender, Suze, and I'll be teaching you all a new drink recipe at the beginning of each of our episodes. And I'm Bree, drinker of the drinks, and I write the stories we tell. So, what should you expect while listening to us? Well, good question. There's going to be some swearing. Oh, a lot of swearing. Probably some rambling. Definitely rambling. And most likely a lot of off-topic pop culture references. We specialize in Bob's Burgers and maybe Always Sunny. Definitely. But what do you want from us? We're going to be drinking. And hopefully you will be too. So come hang out with us each week. And if you want to spend more time with us, check out the description for the link to all of our socials. Let's buckle up buttercups and sip tight. Let's get into it. We are your hosts for the evening. I am Bree. And I'm Suze. And this is Crime and Spirits. Welcome, welcome. Welcome and thanks for hanging out with us. Tonight we are, well, tonight and also next week. Yes. Because we're doing a two-parter. There's no way that this case could fit into one episode, I think, without it being like five hours long. It's going to be a lot. It's a doozy. (laughs) Tonight we're going to be discussing the infamous murder of Travis Alexander also known as the Jody Arias story, more well-known as, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. This chick is Kay Razzi. Like, so much, so... Super crazy. But as things unfolded, it was alleged that Travis wasn't exactly an angel himself. The trial was an absolute circus and resulted in one hell of a roller coaster ride for the rest of us. In this case, we will see two distinct arguments presented. One, Jody Arias was a jealous woman who killed Travis in a fit of rage, or Jody was an emotionally abused and manipulated woman who killed Travis in self-defense. Mm. We're going to break down the okay. facts and the testimonies given in this case, and by the end of things, you can decide for yourself what makes the most sense, no matter what side of the fence you sit. One thing we can all agree on is that the way Travis's life ended was tragic and needlessly cruel. Absolutely. Suzanne and I agree on the outcome of this case. Yes. We, we there's, there's no argument from, from this side of the table. No. Or this side of the microphone, if you <laughs> None will. None at all. But I will say that I have a hot take on the trial itself, because unfortunately our justice system is not perfect. I mean, I feel like we've seen this like 411 times already. We're going to continue, because, <laughs> yep. you know, America. It just is not, yep. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, I think that justice was served. We just had a yes. bumpy ride. The way we got there was a little questionable. Was less than desirable. So, on that note, let's get our drinks so we can dive on in. Frick yeah. Suze, what are you doing Hmm. for us tonight? So, yeah, so I couldn't come up with a single damn thing because (laughs) the story is awful. I I don't like Jody Arias personally myself. After doing my research, I really well, didn't care for anybody in this story. We're we're very familiar with this case also mm-hmm. because the murder itself took place within the last decade and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, it was something that we've watched unfold. Oh, yeah. It was another one that was constantly yeah. on television As like, adults, all the time. we watched this happen. Um, but the farther that I got into it, the more I learned about how much Travis's Mormon faith played in his life as well as his relationships with Jody and with other folks. I mean, generally his life, I would say. Right. It affected him a lot. Um, 
So I don't know if you all know this because I really didn't. <laughs> um, Mormon folks do not partake in alcohol or things like caffeine, tobacco, premarital sex, more and more and more things. <laughs> the caffeine surprises me because I'm pretty sure even J-dubs are allowed to have the some cup of coffee. I think right? they've since relaxed a little bit, but those that take the Mormon faith pretty seriously. Like don't, to the letter mm-hmm, kind don't, of thing. Don't ingest caffeine. So this led me to Google. How do they live? <laughs> yeah. Apparently very purely, Brie. Today alone, I've had like eight shots of espresso. (laughs) I had two cups of coffee, and that was more than sufficient. (laughs) Um, So this led me to my friend Google, and I was like, so what do Mormons drink? Because I know it ain't alcohol, it ain't caffeine. What could they possibly be ingesting? What is even left? They're called dirty sodas. I love this. It just made me giggle because they're all about the purity and the sanctity of mm-hmm. your body and your relationships and yakety yeah. yakety. Which is fine. Here we are making dirty little sodas. <laughs> so it's sort of a way to get around things. Not really, but kind of, sort of. It's a fountain soda, you pick, mixed with <laughs> cream and or syrups and served over ice. So the huh. idea is you're still making like almost like a cocktail. You're making a fancy mocktail, but you're mm-hmm. not ingesting the caffeine or the alcohol. That's so interesting. Right. It's all over the place. There's actually soda shops in Utah and in the in the Mormon corridor that mm. center on dirty sodas. That <laughs> that tracks. Every that time I say it, it, I'm like, Tee-hee. you really do. It's so cute. So since Bree and I obviously are not Mormons, no. and we will definitely need a drink to get through this case, yes. or six in this instance. <laughs> Um, we're making what I'm going to call filthy sodas. Because <laughs> not only are they dirty in the Mormon sense of the word, but I'm going to go ahead and put booze we're in We're going to make them filthy. So they're going to be filthy. I love it. Let's um, go. So it's sort of along the lines of a Colorado Bulldog. It's basically the same idea, except we're not using caffeine. So I went with IBC root beer because yummy. Mm, IBC is good. And this is another one you just build in your glass. So you take your IBC or whatever whatever root beer you want, but coincidentally, IBC is caffeine free. So we mm. are following the rules it's also in the this best. instance. <laughs> You can add three ounces of your IBC over ice in your glass. Add two ounces of whipped cream vodka. It's called Pinnacle Whipped. Mm -hmm. It tastes like whipped cream. It really does. When I was like 25, everybody was put whipped vodka in it. In everything. In a shot, in Coke, in everything. They put it in everything. Literally, like when it came on the scene, it was the coolest. Everybody lost their shit. They're like, oh my God, cream sodas. It's, It's good. I don't know if it's that good. It's good in this, but Mm -hmm. it's two ounces of the whipped, three ounces of root beer over ice, and then take French vanilla creamer, like the coffee kind, Mm -hmm. and just float it on top. So it's basically a Colorado Bulldog. This is just way sweeter. Yeah. Because there's nothing against sugar in the Mormon faith, apparently. Well, they have to get their fix somehow. Mm -hmm. So when you have caffeine. Once you stir it, it sort of looks like chocolate milk again. But I'm telling you what, it's really freaking good. When you made it, it kind of gave me cold brew vibes. Because when we make, like, our cold brews and we, like, put the cream on top, it's such a pretty marbling Mm -hmm. effect. And that's what, like was yep. created with this because you want to really try cute. and kind of float the creamer so it sort of sits there for a minute before it starts to disperse into the drink but before you drink it obviously stir it up it's good oh, right oh yeah so again it's root beer and vanilla it tastes like with a root beer cream. float so it's a root beer float yeah 
it's a filthy soda. Boozy. I love it. And next week we're gonna do another twist on the same drink. So tune in next week. Yeah. For the part two and part two of the beverage. For once, we're not gonna be lazy about and round repeat two. it. I know. <laughs> we're just gonna at least give you a variation, if you will. We try sometimes. <laughs> it's been, this case was really hard. It was a lot of research, yeah. a lot of writing. There it was really just was. a lot that went into it, and it was really hard to get started because. Again, I knew the end result. Mm-hmm. I knew what happened to Travis. Yep. I just didn't want to. I knew we had to, but I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I was telling uh, my friend Paige about the case that we were recording today, and she is not familiar because, you know, she's really younger than us. And so it's fun because she gets introduced to a lot of these cases. So I it's like been really it. fun for us, I think. Anyways. I was talking about this whole thing and I was like god she's such a bitch like I was just so mad about it and I was getting like worked up at work so (laughs) here we go right (laughs) get on into it drinks in hand so Jody Ann Arias was born on July 9th 1980 in Salina California to parents William Anger and Sandy S. Arias she has four siblings an older half sister one younger sister and two younger brothers one thing you will notice as we go through things from here pretty much that there are often conflicting depictions of events and they are often coming from Jody herself. For instance, Jody alleges that her childhood was full of physical abuse from her parents. But from the outside looking in, however, that doesn't appear to be the case. Childhood friends of hers would go on to explain that Jody was a good girl and that it seemed as if her childhood was ideal. Jody claims that simply wasn't the case. That as she got older, the beatings she received became more intense and much more frequent. Now, that very well could be the case because it it's so be hard true. to. It is. Like, I remember growing up in a tough situation, and a lot of people would question whether or not what I was saying was true. Right. So I could see that happening, but some of her close friends would say otherwise. Mm. So already, right off the bat, guys, what the fuck's actually going on? Red flag. <laughs> According to Jody, it went really far in the sense that her mother was carrying around a wooden spoon with her, just, like, kind of tucked away in her purse, which is such a specific detail. But again, that doesn't mean that she's telling the truth, per se. We'll see. Because <laughs> she, likes, she has a lot of specific details. <laughs> right. Long story short. And they all, and that's the thing, the theme of this case is that everything that is said is plausible, could happen, but isn't likely. Right. And I that's, agree. and that's, I think that's like the theme of this case, generally speaking. Really? So the logic that Jody uses to explain the wooden spoon is that her mother wanted to ensure that there was always an instrument of punishment available, which is really extreme. Her parents deny these accusations, of course, and it doesn't... As one would. Right. Her mother has gone and had several interviews and did, like, a big piece about it. I didn't read it. I don't... Again, if Care we went, if much, we went down honest. all the avenues and offshoots in cases like this, we'd never actually get around to recording it because we'd <laughs> right. still be chained There's to our computers researching and watching documentaries. There's just so much. Sue did a significant amount of research for this case, and then I took her research and did like research on research, right. basically, right. and culminated in this crazy story we're going to tell you. So, moving on to high school. Oh, yes. So she went to, I'm going to call it Eureka. That's 
It's it's Y R E K A. I know out in California, some of the names are. I tried to Google speak it, and it gave me two different answers. Mm. So I just didn't try again after I'm that. Say Eureka, Eureka. Either way, it's at Union High School. She did drop out her junior year, but she did go on to earn her GED at some point. Um, over the course of her late teens and into early adulthood, she made attempts to pursue photography, like semi-professionally. It had always been a passion of hers since the age of around 10 years old. Um, as we know, <clears throat> starting a business is a lot of hard work and patience and perseverance. Okay. So in the meantime, Jody held down several part-time jobs, one of which was a serving gig at a restaurant in Caramel, California. She started there in the fall of 2001, which feels like forever ago. Literally, it feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> Um, this was where she met a man named Daryl Brewer. He was the food and beverage manager for the place. And two years later, these two ended up dating. They proceeded to buy a home together in the Palm Desert area. Um, <laughs> I know, and I've heard from people before out in California that like mortgages and shit are crazy. Mm -hmm. But so this is 2003. Yeah. So 20 years ago, and their their freaking house had a mortgage that was over five grand a month. Like That's what? How crazy. do normal humans afford things? A like server that? at that. A server and a manager. I mean, in essence, like yeah. I know what I make. My house is not paying five grand a month. I also know what our <laughs> restaurant managers made, and like I don't think it's that much. I do not agree. Again, though, I guess adjust it for California. Everything's yeah. insane out there, but Fair. still. Also, dating your manager while working at a restaurant is never a good dirty, idea. Dirty, dirty, Jody. Never yeah. a good idea. Yeah, girl. You're just asking for issues. Seriously. Ugh. Fast forward three years, and Jody begins working for a company called Prepaid Legal Services. They're, Tell me that's not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> I, I don't know, to be honest. So they're now referred to as Legal Shield, and um, she still worked at the restaurant with her boyfriend, but wanted to work towards something more stable, which was this avenue for her. So... For those of you who may be wondering, I did a Google search and I went to the Legal Shield website. Because I swear I've seen an ad for Legal Shield somewhere. Yeah. Like it came up when I was researching and I was like, that name sounds familiar. But again, I was like, I don't want to go down that rabbit mm -hmm. hole too. <laughs> I just did a really quick like surface search. I just kind of read their like about me on their website. And from what I can tell, it's a place like a website and an app where you can access legal advice given by actual lawyers with real experience without having to pay any retainer or hourly fees per their current website. You can speak with a lawyer as soon as four hours after initial contact is made, and it seems as if you pay a monthly fee, which is dependent on what your needs are. So there was, like, a business plan. There was, like, a, uh, like a just, like, a consultation plan or, like, whatever. Interesting. And, like, you pay this fee and you get access to their benefits. It seems like for a severe legal issue, you'd be better off just retaining a lawyer that works directly for you. But I hope so. In this, a pinch, I suppose. This kind of seems like a good option for maybe somebody who has, like, questions. Like, maybe you're a landlord and you're just trying to get, like, all your ducks in a row. And you, or trying you to start need, something like, up and just put your feelers out. Yeah, kind of and you don't want to pay to retain a lawyer, so you'd rather pay, like, $150 for the month and you have access to that. I don't know. It very well could be sketch. I didn't really care to find well, it. Well, I've heard... <clears throat> I had a friend go through some custody issues and I heard 
Like, every email is, like, $300. Every yeah. meeting is, like, $500. Right. So, it, it really does, like, like this add up super quick. seems like it would be a good situation to navigate legal battles like custody if you don't have the money for a lawyer. Right. That's the vibe I got. It very well could be sketchy, but like I said, I didn't really care I enough just, to dig. <laughs> anything with prepaid in the initial name, I'm like... Yeah, mm, I don't know about Legal that. Shield makes them sound much more legitimate, and I do right. think fits more of what they're trying to go for if they are legit. Right, heard that. So I don't know if you guys ever try them out. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'm morbidly curious. <laughs> um, so not only did Jody land this great job opportunity, but she was also fork fo- forcing. She was also focusing more on her faith at this time in her life. Um, it seems like she was giving Mormonism a shot. Hmm. Here we go. Mormons are a religious group that embrace concepts of Christianity, but also revelations that were made by the founder, a man named Joseph Smith. They (laughs) typically belong to the Church of Latter-day Saints. Like Christianity, they believe in the Holy Trinity that all mankind will be saved if they are obedient in their service to God, thanks to Christ's atonement. And that repentance and baptism are extremely important to receiving forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I found it really interesting because, like, you know, I've mentioned several times before that I grew up in the Jehovah's Witness religion, which is technically under the umbrella of Christianity, but shares very little of the belief system mm-hmm. of most of Christianity. So I found it interesting how much it overlapped. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, they do believe that the Bible um, is the correctly translated word of God, but they also follow the Book of Mormon, which is also a Broadway show, <laughs> as an equally important tool in their worship. So, Jody starts going through the motions of becoming an active member of the LDS. She would invite visitors from the church to come to her home, have sessions of prayer or Bible studies with her in the home, um, what feels like this inevitable chain reaction is Jody's relationship with Daryl becomes quite strained. I'm going to assume he was like, where's all this coming from? Well, and also you and I, it seemed really abrupt. Yeah. You and I have worked in the industry. It does not attract Mormons. No. Let's just call it what it is. Like it attracts the weirdos. Like we're all like, <laughs> the, we're the it random take, it people. It takes a spresh, special breed to deal with people. It does. Like, Karen's with the oh, smile on I've said face. it all the time. Like, <laughs> it takes a special kind of soul. Even to work in the back of the house, I think, too. Oh, for sure. Like, restaurant industry people do not get nearly enough credit for what they do. Word. <laughs> By any means. We're some tough broads and dudes. <laughs> um, so, I feel like Daryl was probably like, what? Like, what, what, what is happening with you, <laughs> What's bitch? What's happening? Like... <laughs> Um, she was doing a lot of different things, and it seemed as if her boyfriend, Mr. Daryl, was not very high on that list of priorities. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. I mean, lucky guy, probably. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Her focus was on her faith and her new job, and she really began to push everything else off to the side. She even began to default on some of her financial obligations that she shared with da- Daryl. Dale. Again, $5,000 a month in mortgage payments is nothing to fuck Alone, around with. Right. And not, not, not withstanding all the other bills that come with running a whole household, you know. God only knows what they, you know, entangled are entangled with when it comes to that. Right. You know what I mean? For like, sure. It could be anything. Um, in December of 2006, the couple wound up going their separate ways, but they did manage to stay friends and actually still kept in touch with one another. Mm-hmm. 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 
Just a few months before her relationship with Daryl ends, she travels to Las Vegas for a work conference. There, she meets none other than Travis Alexander. Travis worked for the same company as a salesman and a motivational speaker. And he was, like, super into the job because there's clips of him speaking Mm -hmm. at events, like, floating around the internet. And, like, let me tell you, he was passionate about some prepaid legal services. I just, again, so it's prepaid legal services. What do you need motivation and sales for? This is the part where it starts to feel. It should sell itself, right? (laughs) You would think. I just have a lot of questions, that's all. Right, I don't know. I Same, though. Some things will never be answered for <laughs> us. Turns out that he was, allegedly, a devout Mormon. I, I'll say devout with quotes around like, it. Like, heavy, heavy air Devout. Quotes. What are the odds, right? She says with sarcasm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she Jody just randomly just started randomly becoming really interested, so interested in the Mormon in religion. And, and again, that's not... I don't feel as though that's something like... You don't just pick it up one day. Yeah. It's I not mean, like tie-dyeing or resin work. It's not like, let me try this. You know what I mean? A, a religion is switching your faith like that or investing yourself in that is I'm a big fairly, deal. Well, and especially religions like this one. They're similar, very immersive, yeah. Similar to the J-dubs. Like, it's something you dedicate your entire life to. I mean, that's what religion wants you to do in general, right? Like, even Christianity in its basis form want you to follow a certain set of rules right right absolutely. so like but these ones are so extreme there's a lot here seems odd we so. could do a whole episode on mormonism also honestly we probably <laughs> will at some point or maybe clump it in with like it's the on the list because i plan on on doing Deep that diving. as well that'll We're be going all the remedy on your asses yes <laughs> <laughs> i want to be friends with her <laughs> so Jody and Travis meet, and they feel an immediate tra- attraction to one another. Per Jody, within a week of their first meeting, they begin to have a sexual relationship. <gasps> what? I'm clutching my pearls over no here. No wonder her relationship with Daryl went downhill. Relationships tend to do that when one steps out on the other one. Mm-hmm. So, like, Jody, you're not doing yourself any favors here. You're Now you're a cheater. Again, and also, you're already a bad Mormon, and you're not even a Mormon yet. Right! <laughs> premarital sex is no no both bad mormons hence the heavy air quotes Mm -hmm, on the devout so it was said that travis loved to go on adventures and they had tons of fun together which it really seemed like they did it's true like it really did seem like in the beginning of things it was a genuinely like affectionate absolutely they were you could tell like the attraction was mutual mm -hmm. like the interest was mutual like for sure their smiles were genuine and like get this guys over the course of their whirlwind romance they would exchange phone calls daily and between like the two years that they were like kind of either together yeah involves the perfect word for it in that time frame they exchanged 82,000 emails I don't think i like anybody that much we run businesses together and i'm like <laughs> know, no right? let's like, just talk what? in person this is crazy like i'm good emails i don't <sighs> like it I, I don't even send anything in the body of the emails i just send a subject and i i attach the script right <laughs> that's the extent of our emails like to each it. other that's let's keep it like that <laughs> so we heard about jody and her home life growing up maybe so, yeah alleged home life so let's talk about travis Travis was born July 28, 1977, in Riverside, California, to parents Gary and Pamela Alexander. Travis and his seven siblings... Two. 
many children. He had a rough go of things in the beginning. Um, both of his parents were allegedly addicts who suffered horribly strong addictions. His mother was also on top of this, often physically abusive to all eight children. Due to all of this, Travis moved in with his paternal grandparents and they became his sole caregivers at the age of 11. In 1997, following their father's death, the remaining children joined Travis at their grandparents' home. Um, this is likely where they got introduced to the LDS. Um, Travis became an active member and continued to practice their belief system into his adulthood. <clears throat> Um, from everything we've read, he was just as taken with Jody upon meeting her as she was with him. Because, again, we've only heard it mostly from her side up to this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he wrote a friend and told them about Jody once, saying, I quote, I went from intrigued by her to interested in her to caring about her deeply to realizing how lucky I would be to have her as part of my life forever. She is amazing. It's not hard to see that whoever scores Jody, whether it be me or someone else, is going to win the wife lotto, end quote. Hmm. <sighs> How do you feel about that? Shuddery. That I feel cringy. That's <laughs> just cringy. Also, who writes that in an email? I Y'all are so dramatic. Also take that as him saying, like, yeah, Jody's awesome and great and wonderful. But, but like, probably not for me. I might not end up with her. For, yeah. so, so I'm just going to fuck her for a while. Bad Mormons. Bad Mormons. This is my frustration with this case. You guys are going to sense a growing sense of frustration on my side of the microphone. Yeah. And it's only because what Jody did was despicable. Like, she is 100% like... An asshole. Totally, totally justice served. Like we said, I don't like how we get there. Travis is painted as a goddamn angel throughout this whole thing. And I just don't think he was that innocent. It's true. We well, see these kinds of conversations. and Especially from everything I had seen previously when the case was actively taking place mm -hmm. in the media. I was like, oh, this wonderful, amazing human. Yeah. Like, fought this horrible upbringing. Are you and, okay? Yeah. It's chaos in this office always. this horrible <laughs> upbringing and somehow, like, made something of himself yeah. and he's motivating Which is all, tr and all true and deserves to be recognized. It just looks like glowing, you yeah. know? So to hear that maybe things were not as glowy as they should have mm -hmm. been or as they were portrayed is like... Eh. At the end of the day, I think this is a really sad story for every single person involved, as these cases often are. Right. Which is just the way it is. So... The thing that makes this case really yucky <laughs> is, for lack of a better term here, is Jody's obsessiveness. And this is where she really does take a turn because her behavior is really not okay in any way, shape, or form, no matter what the reason behind it is. Yes. She was so into him. She wanted to do anything she could. To secure a potential future with him. Honestly, it also sounds like insecurities could really be at play there as well. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we've all, we all know that insecure person that is just so attached to their significant other because they're so fearful that they're going to be taken away. Right. Could there have been something that le led her to believe that Travis might not have been faithful? Maybe. We don't know. We don't know. We have no idea. Some questions were just not meant to be. Either answered. way, she was, like, insane around it. Like, it doesn't feel like a coincidence that she picked up Mormonism, right? Like, she started working at Prepaid Legal. She started studying this religion. Intensely studying this religion. She literally did all of that for Travis, including being baptized by the object of her obsession himself. Also, she could get close to him. And that's really fucking weird. Ew. <laughs> 
My face is saying ew. I know you can't see it, but ew. <laughs> I don't, because baptisms are, you know, being dunked in water, and they were wearing these weird white linen jumpsuits, and I just don't, I don't know. I just don't. I mean, I'm thrown off by the idea of baptism to begin with, but again, I'm very skewed when it comes to religion, so I'm but not I'll, really the best. She's just doing this for this man, like, yeah. I can blatantly see this, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? I just don't. Which is like cringy it's sad almost because you're like what on earth is why are you like this right like, right why exactly. why do you feel the need to completely change your life i don't know what my I- grandfather did it for my grandma like she basically was like mm, sorry you have to be jehovah's witness or i'm not going near you oh. and he he did it he got baptized and I mean, you like, like it, on, I love but it. Like, it is what it is, but... It's just one of those things where I don't feel like he ever truly bought into it. Right. Even as, like, such a young kid, looking back, I feel like he literally... And that's... You shouldn't do that. You I, shouldn't I don't, just... If you're committed, you should be committed. Don't just go through the For the, the right reasons, is, yeah. Is my, I guess, issue with it. I agree. Um, <clears throat> so, over the course of the next six months or so, the two carry on, business as usual, do-do-do. <laughs> Travis seemed happy regarding Jody and her place in his life, at least at first. Um, his friends, however, were not happy at no. all. No, no. None of them. Literally none of them. Not a single one. Because they noticed the obsessive and jealous behavior. Things like um, having to always sit right next to him or eavesdropping on conversations he was having with another person. Um, according to one of his friends, Clancy Talbot, quote, she didn't appreciate when he was talking to another female. She didn't like the fact that if there was anyone that didn't know that they were together, she wanted to make that fact clear, end quote. <laughs> his friends felt as if she showed stalker-like traits um, from the beginning and started becoming very concerned about Travis's safety. Another friend of his, Sky Lovinger, said to Travis directly that she was, quote, afraid we're going to find you chopped up in her freezer, end quote. Yeah. I remember I watched a documentary, one of the bazillion that are out there. um, There's so many. Like a few years ago at this point. Because this case is very fascinating in a lot of ways. I feel like more people, as more time goes on, more people are willing to speak out about their experiences. And I just find it fascinating. And the friend, I believe Skye and her husband at the time, Travis and Jody was staying with them. And you might be familiar with the story, but... They had Travis, like, come into their room because they were like, we need to talk to you. Like, and they basically private. were having, like, an intervention. And at one point, <laughs> Sky or the woman in the situation was, like, stopped talking and mouthed the words, like, I think she's outside the door. And Travis is like, there's no way. Because this whole time, he's like, no, no. Like, you, like he's she's just that. Like that he's guys. just this. She's just that, you know, the whole thing. And she, the she's like, I... I feel like she's out there, man. And he opens the door, and sure, that bitch was right there. Wasn't sure, she? fucking enough. That checks. She out. was standing right there. I've watched so many documentaries about this that they're all sort of like mushing together yeah. <laughs> into one blob of yeah. documentary. And I'm like, I I don't know who said what. Mm-hmm. I just remember all of it was like this. This behavior is terrifying. I remember like already that specific scene because I feel like that was the moment that Travis kind of started. Maybe like the light sort of started to come on like maybe or, this Yeah. Is... More or at the very least started to be like okay maybe I need to just start paying more attention. Right. Because they continued on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And over the course of their relationship they definitely faced some difficulties. 
the least of which being that they were based in different states. Travis lived in Arizona, and uh, Jody lived in California. So she solved that issue, surprise, surprise, by moving to Mesa in February of 2007. From all accounts, it seemed as if their relationship was volatile as fuck. (laughs) Like, you guys. (laughs) Yep. The messages between them are aggressive and accusatory. It is not the way you talk to somebody you love, like, at all. I read a transcript of an email chat that occurred between them, and it was toward the end of things, so I will preface that before I get into, like, what Travis said. These two were just so toxic for each other, in my own opinion. Like, oh, for I've, sure. I, I think that they brought something out in each other that maybe, at least in Travis's case, would not have been brought out by somebody else. Right. But, you know, unfortunately, we'll never know. They spoke of being addicted to each other and that they were bad influences on one another. It was a lot of, you know that all you have, Travis would say to Jody, you know that all you have to do is call me and I'm hooked. I can't stay away. And she would, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt you. Oh, that bitch like, ain't sorry at all. This whole back mm-hmm. and forth. And that was his whole that was literally well, it's like his he's whole casting thing. the line and she's casting one right back. Kind exactly. Of thing. Like, <laughs> it really seems like this weird song and dance that neither one of them were willing to give up. But they both probably should have. One hundred thousand percent. This exchange between them felt kind of off and, and really bizarre. Travis was really going in on Jody, accusing her of lying and not giving a shit about him. He specifically mentions, and this is why I wanted to preface this, because he specifically says, like, we've gone through this cycle about 30 times by now. So, like, they obviously were in, like, this really vicious cycle of him getting treated like garbage by her and then him going back to her anyways. And her still wanting more, it seems like. And her... And more commitment, more of something. Absolutely. They seemed very frustrated with each other, but he seemed really frustrated by her lack of engagement throughout the conversation as well, which I totally get because it was fucking off the wall. Like... And when she did give responses, they literally felt like they were written by Lydia Dietz from Beetlejuice. (laughs) Like, literally, it was all, like, woe is me, and I myself am strange and unusual. Like... I just think of her with the veil, like... That's how it fucking read. It was so dramatic, dude. Like, I'm, I'm reading it, and I'm just like, okay, this is not a good look for either one of you two. You both clearly needed to be in timeout from each other. Like... Travis definitely seemed like a very frustrated at the end of his rope kind of vibe. Regardless, it was awful. Mentioned at some point throughout this whole debacle, Jody may have some sort of personality disorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the behavior that these messages allude to really aligns with that idea because unfortunately nothing's really mentioned specifically in, in a lot of it. Uh, maybe like lower on in the messages we get to some nitty gritty we're gonna be sure to make the link available for you guys because the transcript is really really easy to find it's worth a read but i do warn you it's kind of off-putting i felt really weird while i was reading it i for one have not read it because i feel like i would need to it's weird because you know they're well it's not even just that it's they're they're private conversations that the world should not have been privileged to. Well, I'm sure they were written with confidentiality in mind. Like, this is between me and you, not me and you and everybody in the universe. 100%. So you know that they were were being their raw, authentic selves, selves, I think, in those moments. The moral of the story here 
is that this was not a healthy relationship, I think, for either party. And his friends really did seem to be onto something when it came to Jody's behavior. I mean... It seemed really scary. Friends usually do. <laughs> Generally speaking, no. I'm usually I'm usually pretty on top of it. Attuned to it. If, if I get like. a bad vibe from you, like that's all it takes. Right. And I, it takes time, but I'm usually right. Right. True dad. <laughs> um, so not to mention the fact that amid all of this chaos, Travis was doubting their relationship in like a huge, gigantical way. Huge. Big. Um, well, because remember, again, like we keep going back to, mm-hmm. these two are supposed to be super devout, right? In their religious practices. Mm-hmm. Good little Mormons. Yep. Believe it or not, premarital sex is not accepted not, in any way, shape, or form. Not allowed. So not even the actual act, but any other part of it. Correct. No, no. No sexy time for you. Uh-uh. Not if you're a Mormon. Um, that, and coupled with all this toxicity, Travis was feeling a lot of guilt about their actions. He began to feel as if their relationship was doomed from progressing, that because they had a primar- primarily physical connection, because remember we said it was like an automatic, like immediate mm-hmm. physical attraction that mm-hmm. got them together. They were bone and in a week she still had a man. Weird. <laughs> um, and they did act upon this physical connection pretty frequently. Um he believed basically that Jody was no longer pure enough for marriage. Mm. This was one of the things that Jody had worried about, and it is a big factor in why she became so involved with the LDS in the first place. Unfortunately, none of those steps were enough to save things, and they ended it just a few months after her move in late June, so that's 2007. Yes. Sad, sad, sad. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, said no one. <coughs> Travis and Jody continue to stay in contact. They continue to have sexual encounters. So we must not be feeling that guilty. We were talking about this briefly, like, before we started recording. Like, I can totally relate to what Travis is likely feeling. Religion guilt is the worst kind of guilt. And you honestly feel stuck. You feel like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So why not have fucking fun? Yeah. <laughs> like if you're gonna if you're gonna burn in hell or, or go through whatever bad thing he your religion seems, says he does seem like he's on like the precipice here of like turning one way or the other he's young when this happens which yeah. is really unfortunate but he is at that stage of life i think where yeah. that's what kind of happens you could go one way or the other type mm-hmm. status you're defining what your future is going to look absolutely. like absolutely Um, So that email chat we were just talking about was from late May of 2008. So as you can see, this awful dynamic they have going is maintained for quite a while. Mm -hmm. They still traveled together. Uh, He even told his friends that Jody was going to accompany him on a trip in June. The thing is, Travis was able to have his cake and also eat it. Because despite keeping things up with Jody, he began dating another woman. Hmm strange um oddly enough this woman as well as travis began to receive threatening emails travis would often complain about this to his friends but he was basically in denial that Mm -hmm. jody was behind any of any of the emails um his friends were likely of the thought process that jody started acting out in this way because of the new lady friend i also read somewhere i can't remember specifically but that the new girlfriend also was stalked Mm -hmm. on her way home and that this person would go and knock on all of their her doors and windows and if that's not like the most terrifying thing as a single woman living alone like really that mm -mm. 
I'm so creeped out by that. That would be enough for me to be like, you know what, guy? <sighs> You're very handsome, but see you later. Bye. I gotta go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll squeer a Mormon. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's red flag number 57 right. at this Deal point. Deal breaker. <laughs> so, in April of 2008, Jody relocates to California, allegedly so she can be with her grandparents. Mm-hmm. That same month, Travis changed his mind about taking Jody to Cancun. Ooh, oh no. This sounds Which, like it won't be taken very well. The thing well. is, it was a work trip, so I feel like there was way more implications of him taking Jody since they technically worked in the same company. Right. That was probably going to be really beneficial personally and professionally yeah. for Jody. Yeah. And so I think that adds an extra layer like to this. Double the butthurtedness. Jody was, as you can imagine, less than pleased with this decision. The move back to Cali served a dual purpose for her. She, it, by all accounts, really did show intentions of wanting to move on from things with Travis. They both showed that they really, I think there was a point in their relationship where they really did realize how bad things were. And oh, they were like, sure. okay, this is not good or healthy for either one of us. Right. But they just kept coming back. That's the definition of, like, addiction there. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly. Well, I mean, like, he did have like addicts as parents, and it's really unfortunate, but sometimes those things tend to repeat themselves. Well, yeah. Not with a psychopath, though. Mm. <laughs> a drug's a drug, man. True. They have an interesting text exchange on May 10th, 2008, where Travis is demanding, aggressive, and even threatening throughout the post that I found this from is from Tumblr. Oh, Tumblr. So, <laughs> you crazy it, lady, you. Take it with a grain of salt. Even more so because this post is very, is biased in favor of Jody. Keep in mind, there are plenty of people out there who believe that Travis was abusive and that Jody was acting in self-defense to an extent. I don't necessarily believe that it was to the extent in which she claims. Mm, me either. But I do believe that it may have have existed. I don't think that you get to the point in which he was in this conversation by not having that capability in your personality. Right. You know what I mean? I can see that, If yeah. you're not 10, if you don't have violent tendencies, or at least you don't have the capability of it, you don't tend to go there. Not even violent. I feel like it's the anger that could lead to the violence. That's what's... Because there's... Anger... The, you know what I mean? Is... Anger's a scary motherfucker. It's very... <laughs> and it's a very overwhelming... Emotion. Emotion. Mm-hmm. When I get anxiety really, really bad, it oftentimes presents as anger. And sometimes I won't even know that I'm in a full-blown panic attack. I just thought I was really mad. And I can't... I act a damn fool. I'll admit it. It's gotten under control. But it happens. So, like, happens I can to the best of us. only imagine what being in a situation that is so mentally unhealthy would be like. It's like being trapped on a roundabout in hell in Germany or something. You know what I mean? Like, they just keep going around and around and around and repeating Like that the same other thing. really awful little teeny tiny roundabout in Fairview? Yes. Honey. Yes. <laughs> so, we're going to talk more about um, a lot of her self-defense stuff. Mumbo jumbo. Uh, when we get to the trial portion of things. But this particular exchange does kind of lend to that line of thought. And I thought for that reason it was important to bring it up. Just because while Suzanne and I don't follow this train of thought, it's always nice to have the devil's advocate in the room Mm -hmm. for these kinds of things. So the conversation basically starts because Jody accidentally messaged Travis half of a message that wasn't intended for him in the first place. And he just kind of lost it. The message 
came across to him as if she was trying to be secretive with another man. But they're broken up? Right. Oh, okay. That's kind of where I was mm-hmm. going. And he has a girlfriend. Right. Mm-hmm. So okay. he gets mad, like okay. like big mad, and I see you, starts accusing her of doing these things with this other man. He really hones in on the fact that she's a liar. And it honestly does feel like this time around, Jody was trying to de-escalate the situation, at least according to the words on the screen. And she was doing things like reminding him that she is a single woman. And she suggested implementing a don't ask, don't tell kind of policy between them. Basically being like, you're doing things. I'm going to do things. Maybe we just don't tell each other that. Because, like, you were able to tell me about the girl you were with, but I can't kind of. So I get it. And and that that is, like, the one time she really kind of shows, like, a a maturity (laughs) in this whole thing. So... Things go on and on and on and on and on. (laughs) And Travis does seem to get increasingly angry. He tells her at one point in the conversation that she is, quote, going to start to be held accountable for your shit. You have pissed me off in a way you never should have. And until now, I have given you a lot of mercy. But you have pissed that away and times are fixing to get tough for you. Who the fuck says that? Right. Okay, so I was really put what off What kind of that. hillbilly, hood-ass Mormon <laughs> bullshit is that? Take your covered <laughs> wagon and get out. Fixin' to get tough for you? Bye. I knew you were gonna just love that. <laughs> People. But honestly, you know, it, that was one of the first things that I feel like doesn't get really shown a lot. And I was really... Well, kind of surprised to see that. Like I said, a lot of the stuff that I remembered from this case was from the initial proceedings when it was like handsome, Mm -hmm. devout Mormon, hardworking man murdered. Middle America, you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, oh no, that's. I mean, it is awful. Don't get me wrong. It is tragic. Like he is a douchebag too. Sometimes, right? Everybody can be douchebag. Don't deserve. Well, some. No, they don't. More often than not, people don't get deserved to get murdered. Right. <laughs> if you case. hurt an animal, I might be inclined to yeah. tell you to fuck off. But yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a line. There I was is just a line. gonna say there's a line for me. But like <laughs> to see this side, you're fi- fixing to get tough. It's it's an interesting layer to the case okay, for John sure. Wayne. <laughs> uh, anyways, off on a tangent. Here we go. No, remember that email chat exchange we were discussing well as we read more of it the reason that travis is so so mad is finally revealed somebody had slashed his tires so i i do get oh, no where some of the anger could have been coming I would from also be, well and especially because um he was very sure that jody was the culpable party there so i get why you're upset with mm-hmm. her for sure oh, this is crazy person behavior yeah <laughs> At one point in the chat, he says, quote, you have not felt as much pain in all your life than what you have repeatedly caused me with your lies and your invasions. His journals were stolen and his computer was tampered with. um, And the psycho shit you have subjected me to, end quote. The conversation just spirals into Travis calling Jody names. Um, He says she has a sluts job, calls her a three-hole wonder, and a cheap whore. Mm-hmm. All while demanding that she admit to what she did. It was... I don't think it matters what side of the fence you're on. I think that as a woman, it's hard to read those kinds of messages and not immediately be like, what the fuck, dude? Because, I don't know. 
And again, this is just me. I don't ever cross those lines. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter how angry I am. Like, I'm not ever going to degrade you or demean you. So for me, it's hard to accept that people get to that anger. I don't... Me, personally, would be like, block, delete, smash mm-hmm. my phone, get Same. a new number, let's start over, rather than subjecting myself to I it. I think she was into it. And that's part of, like, her psychoness <sighs> that is what really is off-putting for me, is that I really think she was in to this part of it also. I think she liked riling him up. I think that she enjoyed the attention that she got from him. I think that she was like a child. Any attention is good attention. Oh, well, so we did watch a little bit of mm. the Observe channel. And again, Logan with knowledge yeah. bombs. She Dropping said basically like what you said. Any yeah. attention was good attention for her. Like she was yeah. almost like sort of preening for the cameras while she was in jail, like, putting on makeup, flipping her hair, like, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just... And he he was, like, I think, he was, like, she's so self-centered and this, that, and third, and I think she is, but also I think that she was also just trying to come across as something that she wasn't. I, I again, I believe as part of her defense, she was, like, girl next door, mm-hmm. I could never do the things I stand accused of. What flips hair? <laughs> So, a really interesting little thing happened on the same day of these text exchanges. On May 28th, 2008, Jody's grandparents reports a burglary. There was a handful of missing objects, but only one of note. Which is? A 25 caliber handgun. What? This handgun is never recovered. What? We're going to put a pin in this for now. I mean, I guess. It becomes relevant later. I feel as though everybody knows where it's going. (laughs) I mean, you might. Um, as we go into June, the tensions between Jody and Travis seem to be escalating. Uh, on the second, they begin to play a weird game, sort of a phone tag. Mm, yeah. um, Jody makes four different attempts to call Travis between the hours of 1 and 3 a.m. She did not reach him on any of those attempts. After 3 a.m., Travis returns the calls. They speak twice, the first call lasting 18 minutes. The second one clocked in at a healthy 41 minutes. At 4.03 a.m., Jody calls Travis again. This call only lasted 2 minutes and 48 seconds. Um, This must have been taking place while Jody was getting ready to go on her planned road trip to Utah because she leaves her home in Eureka with a Y (laughs) at 5.39 that same morning and heads down to Redding, California. Every time I had to write or read Eureka in my head was the the line that Eureka the drag queen says in mm-hmm. one of her songs. And she goes, Eureka, you found it. Oh. And every single time. They should just put that played. on the sign. Also, if we're pronouncing it wrong, please somebody tell us. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been there. Google <laughs> let me down. Yeah. <laughs> Too- I really, I was like, I'm just not even bothering. Because when we tried with the soap maker one, it actually was very accurate on how to pronounce her name. I thought so, it was going to be helpful, and it, it wasn't. It was hurtful. And I was upset. <laughs> how dare you? So, Jody rents a car at 8.04 a.m. on June 2nd. It's my birthday. Reading. Yes, it is. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she has plans to return the vehicle at the same location after her trip. While she was in South Cali, she visited some friends, one of whom was a co-worker named Ryan Burns. Hmm. Jody scheduled to was scheduled to leave for a work conference in Salt Lake City on June 3rd, and she leaves late that evening for her trip. So this brings us to June 5th. 
Jody meets up with Ryan Burns in Salt Lake City, where they attend business meetings all day. Ryan makes a note upon seeing Jody for the first time in a few days that she had colored her hair. Now, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Jody Arias, but in all of the before photos, she had blonde hair, mm-hmm. like blonde blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, she was now on June 5th sporting a dark brown color. Mm. Um, he also noticed that she had some cuts on her hands. Whatever. They go through the motions of the conference. Jody leaves Utah on June 6th. While she's on her way back to California, she calls Travis several times, each time having to leave him a voicemail message, as he does not pick up any of these times. She also, because she's a shysty biatch, <laughs> decides to access his voicemail system for his cell phone. Again, this is a great example of what Travis may have been referring to when he accused her of invading his privacy. It literally seems like she just like cannot help herself yeah, it's ever. So gross. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Icky. Kaka. I like kaka. Kaka. Jody. I specifically started calling her like chose Jody versus Arius because I thought Jody would be easier to say while drinking <laughs> versus it's Arius. It's proving to be <laughs> just as difficult. Jody <clears throat> returns her rental car the next day on the seventh. Per the odometer, it had been driven around 2,800 miles, which seems to be a lot for where she was living and located to Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is not that far away, even back and forth and with some of the tracks around. I thought I had it written down somewhere, but I'm going to have to do a Google search. It might be later on. Any knows? Anyone who has rented a car, though, knows that before you return it, they do a thorough inspection. Like, you take it to the place, and they're like, okay, well. You literally stand there while they're fine-tooth Hold, it. hold, please. The rental clerk that inspected the car that Jody used reported that the car was missing its floor mats. Hmm. And had red stains on the front and rear seats. Hmm. It should be noted, though, <sighs> that it was <laughs> unable to be verified whether the car had the mats at pickup or not. So, the mats are kind of irrelevant, but that stain, though. Again, though, I feel as though, I don't know, a rental clerk literally looks for every single thing. How did, Also, the, wouldn't the floor mats be listed as articles that are in the car? Isn't that a thing? I really thought that was a thing. I, I mean, don't they just have... Don't rental cars have mats? Like, I'm I trying to remember. So. Mark and I had to have a rental car for, like, six weeks last year when we... Uh, how to get a new car. I can't remember if they had mats or not. I don't... We rented one when we were in Germany, and they were like, bye, it's in Bay B27 or whatever. Have fun. <laughs> I don't think they would care if we drove it off a mountain, honestly. We parked it again, and they were like, okay, bye. <laughs> I'm sure they would have charged us later, but... I mean, probably. <sighs> or they don't care at all. At all. Well, Germany has the money to pay for stuff. Um, so, while well, all of this is going on with Jody, no one has seen or heard from Travis, which is odd. Again, he was a very sociable guy. He enjoyed hanging out with his friends. 
So this was, well, and I think being in touch with his friends also, like, obviously his emails, the 82,000 just between him and Jody, multiply mm, that by right. all of his friends, and dear God, was the man ever away from his laptop or phone? It didn't seem like it. Right. So it's weird. It's out of the ordinary. Some chalked it up to all the craziness that he'd been dealing with regarding Jody, and that maybe he just needed some time to himself to, like, decompress or, like, get the fuck away from her or whatever. That would be completely understandable to unplug and be like, bye. Yeah. Um, what makes this whole thing extra weird, though, is the fact that Travis missed a work meeting on the evening of June 4th, which was wildly out of character for him. Finally, it still can't believe it took this long. <laughs> on the 9th, a few of his friends couldn't talk themselves out of their concerns anymore, and they headed over to his house in mass. They talked to his roommate. You guys... There was a fucking roommate, mm -hmm. BT Dubs. Yeah. Um, he tells the group he hadn't seen Travis for a few days, thinking he was out of town for work, which was something that did happen often. Um, Travis did have a trip scheduled for that month, so the roommate actually didn't think anything of, like, not seeing him. It, I always... I find this odd because when I lived with our friend Charlotte and my brother, we were always all up in each other's business all the time, like sp actively spending time together and stuff. So I don't know what it's like really to live with roommates who like are just a roommate. Okay. So when I moved last year and I was looking for places, I kept clicking because these rents seem so good. It was mm. to rent a room with strangers. Yeah. That That's like a really big me, thing now. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I get it if you're all going to school, maybe, but, like, I like to sit in my living room, like, and watch crappy TV and, like, eat right. popcorn and stuff and, like, hang out yeah, with my cats. Yeah, but we're old so, now. Like, <laughs> would I just do that in my room? i just live in my room? That's so creepy to me. If Mark had his way, he would spend all of our free time in the bedroom. I swear what? the only reason we have a living room is because I'm, like, <laughs> I can't. Over. I can't, can't do live. it. I can't, your, your bedroom's supposed to be where you sleep. Right. Psychologically speaking, you sleep better if you don't hang out in your bedroom. My sister won't even take her phone into her bedroom. I wish I had that kind of discipline. She, I do not. I was like, oh, you didn't text me back. And she's like, no phone's in the bedroom when I'm sleeping. I was like, what? How I do you mean, wake up? What do you do before you fall asleep? <laughs> I have so many questions. That is impressive, I will say, because I can't. Can't it's my alarm. It. I can't do it. <laughs> it's literally my alarm. But I remember when you you were living with Bobby and Shyla and every we'd all just hang out in the living yeah. room. We'd all watch football. We'd all mm -hmm. have dinner. We'd all watch The Walking Dead. Yeah. Like, it was just a big group activity so any it, given day. It definitely seems odd, but once explained, I can kind of see where his yes. roommate's coming from. So just in case we were wondering, I did a Google search real quick. Uh, according to distancecities.com, because there's a website for everything. <laughs> Um, the distance from Salt Lake City, Utah to Eureka, California is 769 miles. So double that, it's 1,500 miles roundabouts. Mm -hmm. So not twenty. So there's 1,300 miles being unaccounted for. Weird. Yeah. Weird, right? Almost like she's lying. Mm, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> so the group of friends find Travis's spare room key and make their way towards his bedroom. And we're going to try to get better at doing this, but little warning this is where things are about to start getting graphic yeah so honestly if you want to skip a lot of it feel free <laughs> we won't least, judge you or at the very least like mentally prepare if you guys have listened to us for a while now you know that we don't like to get into like the super gory graphic details but sometimes they are necessary for you to get a full picture of what happened and unfortunately 
that's what we're about to see. This is, this is one of those. It's definitely a yeah. thing. So his friends come upon the hallway, and they see large pools of blood outside of his door. They unlock it, and they proceed inside the room. They find Travis in the shower and well into the decomposition process. One of them exits the room and immediately calls 911 because he has smart friends. Thank goodness. Telling the dispatcher what they had found. As dispatchers are trained to do, they began asking questions like, was Travis suicidal? Is there anyone angry enough to want to hurt him? Hmm. Jody comes to mind, and the friend urgently mentions that she is a likely suspect as far as all of them were concerned. And this friend goes on to share with the dispatcher how Jody was stalking Travis and proceeded to list several incidents that have went down between them. So police arrive on scene almost immediately and begin their investigation. The scene was an absolute mess. Blood was found everywhere, in the hallway, all over the floor, in the bathroom sink and shower. This is because Travis was stabbed between 27 and 29 times about his whole body. He had his jugular and trachea slit, so basically he was nearly decapitated in this attack. And then in addition, he was also shot in the head. Um, The bullet was found in his left cheek, and there is a chance that Travis was already dead when this happened, um, but it couldn't be said definitively due to, again, the decomposition factors. Um, They also found that Travis had defensive wounds on both of his hands, which leads us to believe that his death was not a quick one. Uh, He was found in the shower with a pool of blood underneath him. His death was ultimately caused by blood loss, Uh, I mean, obviously. Um, The M.E. on the scene was Kevin Horn, and he was the one to rule Travis's death as a homicide. We will not be posting any pictures of the crime scene or the autopsy ourselves, but... No, No, ma'am. They do exist. They are out there. They are very, unfortunately, easily accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, We have seen them. As per usual, we'll be sure to list all of our sources, make them available to you. So if you feel like it, go on about your day. Um, We both personally decided we needed brain bleach after (laughs) this. So fair warning. It's It's a lot. It's a lot. There seemed to be a lot of anger in that scene. um, And we are by no means professionals, but it could definitely be felt even through just like the impersonal crime scene. The chaos of it is astonishing it's stunning really like it it's really it's really hard it's hard to look at it's interesting to look at it's also really difficult there were a few items tagged as physical and forensic evidence at the scene one of the more interesting things that was found was a digital camera the camera was newly purchased by travis but when police found it it was badly damaged by water because it was inside the washing machine Come on now. So the killer hmm. saw this camera and tried to wash it in a washing machine. Destroy evidence. I see you. Yeah. So law enforcement sent to work to uh, recover any photos that may have been deleted or damaged. What they find is a few sets of photos, if you will. The first set shows Jody and Travis in sexually suggestive poses. That fact in and of itself 
is not noteworthy. The two had a very sexual relationship, as we've learned, and I don't think it would really surprise anyone that they may have been into documenting it. Especially mm -hmm, because Jody was into photographing every aspect mm -hmm. of her life, so it wouldn't shock me if this was one of those aspects. Also. I mean, and they were good-looking people. They probably yeah. were into it. I'm not shaming. Like, do you guys? Your hair like, back. Whatever. The thing about these photos, though, is that they're time-stamped with the date and the time. June 4th, 1.40 a.m. Isn't it crazy what forensic, like, technology people can find when they really just put their It's weird, it? right? Because Jody was supposed to be on her way to Utah hmm, at this time because she, you know, left the night before for a work conference. Work conference? Strange. The next set of photos were taken right before Travis was killed. And these ones also, while they're not graphic in any way they're really sad it's really sad and really hard to watch these are also available in the same it, i think it's murderpedia it we is. saw those on right damn you <laughs> they've got it's everything a very on good there source of information but like i could have done without this in fact this camera contained the last photo taken of travis alive and that was snapped at 529 that same day a photo taken only moments later is an image of a person who is believed to be Travis, but it, it's you can't see their face or anything like that, so you can't really tell. And it's sort of like weirdly blurry yeah. enough where it's like... Ooh. You can tell that things are in motion kind of yes. when the picture was taken, if you will. Um, you can see this person bleeding on the bathroom floor. In addition to the photos, they find a palm print in blood that was along the wall in the bathroom hallway. They also find a strand of hair in that same blood pattern area. After DNA tests are run, police discover that the print contained both Jody's and Travis's DNA, but the hair belongs solely to Jody. Hmm. Oh, and do you guys remember that 25 caliber gun that I told you to put a pin in earlier? Mysteriously stolen from Jody's grandparents? Would you be surprised to learn that the bullets found on the scene match that kind of Not gun? Not even remotely surprised. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, police armed with this evidence didn't waste much time debating possible suspects um travis's friends were adamant that they look at jody and the police are like okay great sure they first interview jody on june 19th she tells the police that there was no way she could be involved at all she wasn't even in mesa that day and she hadn't even seen travis since like march yeah obviously. which was three months prior to his death Police showed Jody information they had proving those two claims to be false. It was mostly the pictures, but I think they also had, like, texts or some sort of a I, meeting up agreements between the they two. They were at least in contact. They yes. were able to prove that at the very least. Um, but because she's Jody, she remains steadfast in her denials. Um, between the conversation and the indisputable physical evidence placing her at the scene that very day, um, police were confident that they had what they needed to move forward. So the prosecution brings the case to a grand jury, which is a constitutional requirement due to the type of crime that was committed. Um, this process ensures that a truly unbiased decision is made based on the facts of the case provided regarding whether a crime was in fact committed and perpetrated by this specific person. I found that really interesting because, you know, I, I've watched plenty of Law & Order. We, I it's was true. somewhat familiar with, like, the idea of a grand jury. I didn't know exactly. I didn't realize this, but they have no... They receive no information regarding 
like the suspect at all. Hmm. They don't meet the suspect. They right. This is literally it's just not like a police. jury trial where exactly they can be weeping on the stand. Or this whatever, is whatever, essentially whatever. the police being like, "Here's what we have. Is it enough can to we charge proceed? them?" Yeah, mm-hmm, basically, oh, which makes sense. Yeah, I found it really interesting. Uh, so the grand jury in Maricopa County, Arizona, formally indicts Jody on July 9th, 2008, for first-degree murder in the death of Travis Alexander. Happy motherfucking birthday, bitch. Am I right? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, less than a week later, on July 15th, Jody is arrested. During this arrest, Jody proclaims her innocence, citing that, quote, I don't even hurt spiders, end quote. What? Okay, spiders are not people, so there's that. I don't that. spiders, and I don't murder people. That's right. I, I don't do either. So. I make deals with spiders <laughs> the other day. I airlift them <laughs> out in cups away from my cat. There was one in the. There was one while I was taking a shower, and as one does, I always have the conversation like, "Look, you stay on your side of the room, I'll stay on mine. Everything's gonna be fine." <laughs> this spider was not listening. I literally yelled for Mark because I thought he was making dinner, but he had already put it in the oven, oh, <laughs> and so I was just yelling to nobody. And I told Mark, I was like. Ah. I had an un- uh, unagreeable, unagreeable, a disagreeable spider <laughs> in like the unagreeable. bathroom. My God, I get one drink into me and I'm just like, Wee. what? Um, so Jody was still living with her grandparents at this time, so they t- had to take her to a California jail originally, but she was extradited to Arizona on September 5th. She was assigned a delightful public offender, or defender. I like public <laughs> offender. Whoops. He seemed like one. Yeah, well, it could go either way. Honestly. Um, on September 11th of that same year, Jody enters a plea of not guilty, and folks, I'm just going to put it out there, this is where the shit show begins. Oh, yeah. It gets crazy from here on out. Because you guys... You think it was already crazy, but... The next day, like, literally... The next day like after she's this barely bitch, been processed through jail. she's barely been arrested for more than five minutes, and she's giving interviews. Hmm, weird. She is adamant that she did not kill Travis and refuses to discuss to discuss any of the evidence that's being held against her with the media. Weird. Hmm. That was like I think that particular one was for like the Arizona Republic or something like that. So the next interview is with Inside Edition. It's way, way higher higher level if you will oh we'll go with that it's It's national (laughs) it takes place in the jail and everything during this interview she she switches up her story for the first time publicly first of many she said that two intruders broke into travis's home killed travis and then attacked her jody stated during her interview Mm -hmm. that quote no jury is going to convict me i am innocent and you can mark my words on that end Mm -hmm. quote these words will eventually come back to haunt her. Less than a week after this interview takes place, the prosecution files a notice of intent to seek the death penalty. The prosecutor in this case always sought the death penalty. He, that was, like, his thing. So I don't think anybody's really surprised. Um, is it, is it like, a Arizona-Texas thing? Like, I Maricopa County, or, man. I don't know. They do weird shit. Some, when I was in... Uh, taking paralegal classes, one of my instructors told me that at one point the sheriff of Maricopa County who has gotten into trouble oh, yeah. big he time since. He used to have the chain gangs out. Mm-hmm. Like, so apparently mm-hmm. it was like really cool to have um, 
like the jail wear, like where it would say property of Maricopa County on yeah. the back, like smuggled out of the jail because people thought they were, you know, people thought they were cool, they were gangs, whatever. Okay. So he dyed everything know, hot was, pink. <laughs> oh, that's right. Do you remember that? This man this was is an the- asshole, but in some instances I'm like, okay. And you want to wear hot pink property of Maricopa exactly. County? Have at it. And that's Google. the kind of person we're dealing with in Maricopa County. Oh, dear God. <laughs> what are you going to do, right? Um, so, in June of 2009, the TV show 48 Hours airs an episode featuring Jodi Arias. She is really going in, like, all her full hand on the whole mm-hmm. home invasion thing. Um, she speaks about the camera and tells the audience that she and Travis were using it. But that was before they were attacked. Well, yeah, there's photographic evidence of you being there, bitch. Literally. Like, literally you. Hmm. So, one of my favorite moments from before her arrest, I'm pretty sure. I am almost positive that this was when, like, she was first approached by police. They show her the pictures of herself, and she literally is like, that doesn't look like me. It's like her foot. And she's like, are you sure? Because that doesn't look like me. I wasn't in Mesa. That's one of my favorite moments because she's just so. If you didn't know any better, you would think that she wasn't in Mesa and it wasn't her foot because she was just so like blank stare, like. But not we do me, know bro. Better. Mm. Not me, bro. So we don't see any movement with her trial or any of that kind of stuff for over a year, until the defense makes a request of the court. They wanted to have some letters that were allegedly written from Travis to Jody admitted into evidence. Ooh. By this point, Arias has changed her story again. Ooh, I find this stunning turn of events. As of June 2010, she was admitting to killing Travis, but it was done in self-defense. <clears throat> she was saying that Travis became angry when she dropped his camera that night and that the situation escalated from there. These letters were, according to Jody's lawyer, quote, relevant to her claim of self-defense and that she was a victim of previous sexual and physical abuse by Mr. Alexander, end which, quote. Which, again, that might could be true, as we've discussed, but nobody right. actually knows. And the fact that this is her, what, like, I wasn't there. It was a home invasion. I did it, but it was self-defense. Right. We're at three stories now. So it's like, what are we supposed? What are you just supposed make up to? Your mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I trust you or not. And this is why actual women who have actually been abused are afraid to come forward mm-hmm. because of shit like this. Absolutely, <sighs> she's dead behind the eyes, and you guys already know how I feel about people who have That's no life behind the eyes. <laughs> I, every time you say that, I'm just like, oh, no. I know exactly what you mean. You know, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> so, finally, on December 10th, 2012, jury selection begins. Uh, they start with a pool of potential 375 jurors. This is eventually narrowed down to 12. 18, if you include the alternates, because, you know, you have to in case some shit goes down. Um, according to some sources, uh, the defense had some issues with how the prosecution was striking jurors. They alleged that the DA was intentionally discriminating against women and people of color, which we'll get into it in part two, but this may actually be 100% true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but of course, of course, Mr. Prosecutor says, no, no, I would never do that, ever. <gasps> how dare you suggest it? <laughs> clutch my pearls and the judge agrees buys into it and they all move on as will we 
to part two. Ah, <laughs> so sorry to leave it like that. So we're going to cut it there. The trial is a lot. There's a lot of really random shit that kind of happens, some twists and turns, and, you know. There's just a lot. It's a it's lot. It's an interesting case study, if you will, of the mm-hmm. legal process, in my opinion, because it, we've got some, some crazy shit that happens at the end. Um, so... Since we already kept you for over an hour on this fine day of whatever day you're listening to this, uh, we're going to move forward. Yes. We will reconvene in a week with part two. We'll go over all the trial. We're going to have a variation of the drink that we have today. Yes. So, as is tradition, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. We appreciate you a lot. Uh, we really just have so much fun, and we love that you guys want to hang out with us. So that's, true. that's really and cool. We are gaining a little bit of traction, yeah. and we're feeling really good mm-hmm. according to the analytics on our app. We are yeah. kicking booties, taking names, and anchor. If you're lying to me, continue to do so. I know we love that you're lying. <laughs> Tell in the best me more. Way. So on that note, you guys already know the drill. We're gonna run through our little social media spiel. Sure. We have the Instagram, we have the Facebook, we have the Twitter. So on Twitter, it's at Crime Spirits Pod. Um, Suze is active on that one, I believe. On right? It, She's yeah. killing it. And then we've got Instagram and Facebook. They have the same. It's at Crime and Spirits Pod. Uh, our girl Suze over here is practicing her reels, so you guys Working are definitely going to be getting some fun little like tutorials of how the drinks are made. So hopefully, if you guys have any questions and you were hesitant to reach out. You'll have that resource. Just do it. We're here. Yeah, but just do it anyways Mm -hmm. because we want to say hey. It's true. So, that being said, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.